Brilliant. Well, we're going to dive into God's Word this morning, and we are continuing in our series that's entitled House of Prayer. And that statement, you may recognize it, it's where Jesus walks in 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 the Gospels. It records that he walks into the temple where they're um, selling a whole load of stuff for sacrifice, and he says, you've turned my house into a den of robbers. But actually, my house will be called a house of prayer. And that's what we want. We're not just doing a teaching series. Our desire, and we're seeing it happening, is that Family Church and all of our locations would be a house of prayer, where prayer isn't just an optional extra. Prayer isn't just foundational, but prayer is ingrained in everything that we do and everything that we are about. And so, so far, we've covered a number of things. We've talked about what is prayer. This is all available for you online. We talked about week one, what is prayer? Because if we're going to talk about it for a while... It's kind of good to know what it is and what it isn't. So what is prayer? Then we looked at Jesus' response to the question that his disciples posed to him, where they said, would you teach us how to pray? And they'd seen something about his prayer life that was different, that was dynamic, that was powerful, that he flowed from. And they said, Jesus, the way that you pray, we want to pray like that. Would you teach us how to pray? And so he responded, not by giving them a a, a prayer that we're meant to recite religiously as the Lord's Prayer, But he gave him a framework for what prayer is all about and what can be included in prayer. The next week, we talked about personal prayer. And uh, I'd really encourage you, if you're going to listen to one that you missed out on, make sure you listen to that message on personal prayer. Because we really made it practical and talked about how we pray, when we pray, what's involved in praying. So that we can actually be in that place of not just talking about prayer. You know, Christians can be very good about talking about prayer. But actually that we would be Christians who don't just talk about prayer, we actually pray. And so we got very practical in that week. And then just last week, um, Taffy shared a great word on praying together on collective prayer. Now today, as we continue speaking about prayer, I want to speak about a key ingredient when it comes to prayer. A massively key ingredient. How many of you this morning, you would say, I'm a pretty decent cook? You'd, you'd be confident enough. Just raise your hands. You can be a show of hands if you're a pretty decent cook. Just keep them up. I'm just... I'm just making a mental note of where I want to invite myself and Kirsty over the next few weeks and months. And Some of you, if I'm honest with you, I've tasted your cooking, you should not have your hand up. But the nice thing is, you don't know who I'm looking at. And so you can't get offended, or you can all get offended, it's fine, carry on. But you know that if a dish or a meal it's going to be right, then it needs all the key ingredients, right? You cannot make a spaghetti, well, you can try, but you cannot make a spaghetti bolognese without any form of tomato. If you say, we're not going to include any tomato in this, I don't know what you're making, but it's not spaghetti bolognese. You can't make shepherd's pie without some form of potato. If you present me a shepherd's pie with mushrooms in, um, it's not happening without any... I was like, well, what's this? It's not shepherd's pie. If you don't season your food, if you don't ever use salt, food will be bland. We get the idea... And we get the idea when it comes to cooking that there are certain key ingredients involved in certain meals. But we need to understand that when it comes to this thing called prayer, there are some really key ingredients that take it from just being a whole load of words to being something that is powerful and something of substance. And I want to look at those key ingredients today, one of them being faith. Today I want to talk about praying with faith. You're going to have to excuse the fact that I'm mainly from Portsmouth, and so I say faith with a double F at the end instead of a TH. I have a wife who's a speech and language therapist, and she's not been able to fix me yet. So if it annoys you, uh, then just live with it. Faith with a, with a double F at the end. So let's, let's talk about what faith... Now some of you are like, oh yeah, he really does. He says it at the end. Let's talk about what faith 
actually is because actually, do you know, one word can conjure up a lot of different images, thoughts and emotions in somebody's mind. So when you say the word Christmas, for example, it conjures up a lot of different thoughts and emotions in people's minds, some that are great, but instantly all these things come to your mind just by one word. When I say the word um, exercise, some of you bulk at that, some of you know that it's something that you really enjoy and it's something that is great for your physical health and mental health. When I say uh, the word school, some of you have instant memories that are positive memories, the best days of your lives. Uh, others of you, you can wait to get out of it. But when we say one word, it conjures up a lot of different thoughts and emotions and memories and feelings. Now, when you say the word faith, it can conjure up a lot of different thoughts and emotions. Because let's be real, faith is a word that at times has been abused. At times has been made complicated. At times has been made twisted. And so when you hear the word faith, it can cause confusion and guilt and anger, and disappointment, and disillusionment, and, and all these things in your life. So when we speak about it, it's also important to speak about what faith isn't. That we biblically debunk some of the wrong ideas about what faith is. And so one big example, when we talk about faith, we've got to understand that faith is not like magic, right? Faith is not wishing upon a star. Disney have this, this statement, when you wish upon it, it's a song, but I'm not going to sing it to you because that would be cruel. When you wish upon a star, makes no difference who you are. Anything your heart desires will come to you. If your heart is in your dreams, no request is too extreme. That's not faith. Right? That's how some people view faith, but that's not faith. Because we've got to understand that faith is not about blowing out the candles, making a wish. It's not waving a magic wand called the Bible. It's not a dear Santa letter, because one of the biggest things about operating in biblical faith is to know the will of God, as we spoke about earlier in the year, as we looked at that in a series. Faith is not merely wishing. Now, in Hebrews chapter 11, we get an actual definition of faith, and within the context of that, the original word for faith is this word pestes, which means confidence. It's being persuaded. It's God's guarantee. It's a confident trust in one who can be relied upon. So let's just look at Hebrews chapter 11. If you've got your Bible with you. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read verse 1. And I want to read it from the Amplified Translation. It says this. Now faith is the assurance. The title deed. The confirmation of things hoped for. Divinely guaranteed. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. It's a conviction of their reality. And then it says this. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. A lot of words in there, some strong words, there's a word conviction. But faith is not a mere wish. There's a big difference between a mere wish and a confident belief. When it comes to the salvation of your family member, when it comes to the healing you're believing for, when it comes to provision, when it comes to all of those things, faith is not a vague, hopeful feeling. Okay, faith is not fingers crossed, touch wood. That is not faith. Faith is a confidence, but it's not a confidence in faith itself. It's a confidence in God. It's a confidence in the one that you pray to in whom we should place our faith and our trust. See, here's the thing about faith, especially when it comes to prayer. Our faith shouldn't be in how well we pray. Our faith shouldn't be in, oh, if I say all of these words in the right order, then it will be okay. And I know that sounds really obvious, but often when people have taught on faith, 
They've made it more about faith than they have about God. What do I mean by that? Sometimes we get so wrapped up in this subject of faith and people write books this thick all about faith and what faith is all about. And the danger is we begin to look at faith, especially in prayer, as a formula, as a magic trick, as a technique. If I get the right combination, then I'll get breakthrough. Now, don't get me wrong. There's obviously mechanics to the outworking of faith, but we can't lose sight of the simple fact that faith, first and foremost, is a relational trust in a faithful God. When we talk about faith, especially when it comes to prayer, when we're saying, I've got good faith for that, I'm believing, I've got faith. What is your faith based in? Faith, first and foremost, is a relational trust in a faithful God. It's not theory, it's relational. We're trusting in a God that we have relationship with. So, so faith is trust in a person. Trust in your God. Trust in the one who created you. Trust in the one who gave you breath this morning that you could be here. As we said a few weeks ago, we're praying, as Jesus said, to our Father in heaven. He's our Father, he's close to us, but he's the one who can do all things. Now, as we said, we've got to understand that that's not a formula, that's a relational trust. So we've got to understand that we have trust and confidence in the one that we're praying to. So what do we have confidence in? It's easy for me to say, we have confidence in God. What do we actually have confidence in? We have tr- confidence in his character and his word. Let's look at that for a moment. The first one being his character. As we've already looked at in this series, we've got to understand who it is we're praying to. When you pray, who do you believe God to be? Let's look at a, a quote that we looked at a few weeks ago from the, the famous theologian A.W. Tozer, who says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Now, why is this so important when we're praying? Because if we don't have a correct view of who God is, we'll end up thinking, God's not listening to me. God's ignoring my cries. God's playing with me. God's experimenting with me. God's pulling suffering on me so, so that I really understand this, this moment. Listen, we've got to know as we sang, you know, it's one thing to sing a song at the beginning of a service. It's another thing to live in the reality. God is a good God. Do we believe that this morning? God is a good God. Again, that's simple. It's foundational. But you'd be surprised how many people sing the song and say that God is a good God. But the way that they speak, the way that they respond and the way that they pray say differently. So how do we establish God's character? Through his word. Through the Bible. People can have opinions on who God is, good and bad. Experiences can cause us to think, oh, I've been through this, so God is this. But we've got to actually trace it back to what God's word says about who he is. Let's look at some verses together. Hebrews 10, verse 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. So number one, God is trustworthy. When you pray to God, you've got to understand he is trustworthy. Worthy. The Amplified says, Let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. This is our God. Psalm 119.68 God, you are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Deuteronomy 7, verse 9 Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenants for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. So the Bible tells us he is faithful, he is trustworthy, he is good. Let me ask you a question. 
What is it that you are believing for right now? What is your biggest prayer right now? I know we can pray about a number of things, but you know, what, what, when I ask that question, something rises to the surface. What is it that you are believing God for right now? It may be about employment. It may be about your marriage. It may be about healing. It may be about your child. It may be about finances. It may be about purpose. The truth is, none of that stuff comes to us by us waving a, a, a magic wand or us praying a, a faith mantra that we're trying to say the right words in the right order. It comes from a relational trust in a faithful God who loves to bless his children. So we've got to have faith in God's character. But we also need to have faith in his word. Would you say, well, what's the word? The word is his, his word, the Bible that we have for us. You see, when it comes to praying, as we've touched on in this series, sometimes people don't know how to pray or what to pray. And so it's almost like a shopping list. God, I'll have one of these, two of these, four of those. And we just come before God any time that we need something with an agenda and a shopping list. We need to understand the power of God's word when it comes to prayer. Right? Hebrews says God's word is alive and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. You see, when we speak and pray the scriptures, what's happening? We're coming into agreement with God. Again, if there's faith in our hearts, otherwise it's just empty words that we're just reading from something that we've read. But when there is faith in our hearts, we're coming into agreement with God and his power begins to be released in our life. Now again, let's get this straight, let's have an understanding. It's not about picking out a random verse and just going, yep, I'll have one of those. Remember the Argos catalogue, you'd look every Christmas and you'd have the codes and you'd say, yeah, I'll have one of those and two of them. It's, it's not like you just read through the Bible and go, yep, God, I'll have that one and I'll have that one. It's not a Chinese takeaway menu, okay? It's the word of God. We come into agreement with what he has spoken. When you have the rhema word of God, when you know God has promised you something for your situation or for your life, it's about coming into agreement in prayer with what he has spoken. We've just said God is faithful. Do we believe that this morning? God is faithful to his word. He will never leave it unfulfilled. Listen to these verses. Numbers chapter 23 verse 19. God is not a man, so he does not lie. How many of you, you, you know, you've had moments in your life where you've been lied to. Every single one of us have had people speak something to us and it was a lie. We have been lied to. God is not like that. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Again, we've had people, all of us at one time or another, promise us stuff or say something and they've reversed it. They've gone back on their word and what they have spoken. God does not do that. And then it asks this question, has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Now, a rhetorical question, but Psalm 89, 34 answers it. The word answers the word. It says, uh, God saying, no, I will not break my covenant. I will not take back a single word I said. God is faithful to his word. And when you come before God and you use his word in prayer, you begin to experience a powerful prayer life. Amen? Because when you use God's word and his promises as your destination point in prayer, it revives your faith. It renews your hope. It directs your trust. Now, we can just pray our own feelings and leave it at that. Or we can do more. 
Now again, there's nothing wrong with praying your feelings. We've talked when we talked about personal prayer that God needs us to be honest. God needs us to be real. He knows what you're thinking anyway. So be real and honest before him. But we don't just leave it there. We then come into agreement with what he has spoken over us in prayer. It's an incredible combination punch. One of the most powerful things in prayer is to stand upon God's promises in his word. 2 Peter 1 verse 4. And because of his glory and excellence... God has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable us to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. He has given us promises that we can use in prayer, not as a magic wand, but in terms of coming into agreement with the one that we have trust and faith in. So when you're praying, if you're believing God for healing... There's so many scriptures that speak of what you can believe God for in terms of your healing. Isaiah 53 verse 5 is a well-known, well-quoted one that talking in the future about what Jesus would do. By his stripes we are healed. When you're believing for the salvation of a loved one, we've got to have vision for our faith. Joshua 24 verse 15 says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When you're believing for the provision of God in your life, Psalm 37 verse 25, I have never seen the righteous forsaken. We come into agreement with what God has spoken but his word will never return void when we need wisdom and what to do next the book of James says that when we come before God and ask for his wisdom he will always give it to us generously without reproach we come into agreement with what he said because if he said it he will not change his mind he will not lie he will not go back on it and so we come into powerful agreement with the word of God and so on and so on and so on now again the Word of God is not a magic spell book. We've got to attach faith to what it is we're believing for. So if you don't have a promise for the situation you're currently facing, I want to encourage you, speak to a friend. Speak to your connect group leader. Speak to one of the, the pastoral team and say, uh, uh, this is what I'm going through. Can you help me find a promise from God concerning my situation? So we're beginning to understand the importance of this ingredient called faith when it comes to prayer. Now here's something astonishing about this ingredient of faith and, and our relationship with God. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says this, But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. In other words, that God exists. You can't really engage in relationship with God if you don't even believe that he exists. But then that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So when we pray, we've got to have this faith, amen. We've got to have this belief, this confidence in God's character and God's word because God is not moved by emotion. Many people can get it very emotional before God and that's just a natural response. Our God is a God of emotions. We've been made in his image. We have emotions. But God's not moved by emotion. God is not moved by intellect. So it doesn't matter how clever or thick you are this morning and how eloquent you can be when you pray. The reality is God's not moved by your intellect. God's not moved by your degrees. God's not moved by any of these things. God is moved and attracted, the Bible says, by faith. So prayer isn't about praying empty words and just repeating yourself and just saying words because you've seen it in the Bible. It's a relationship where you being yourself come before God and you say, God, I trust in you. I know that you are true. I know that you are faithful. But it's not just words. It comes from a belief in our hearts. Listen to what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 21. Because we love to quote these verses. But let's look at the whole context of what Jesus is saying in this moment. I know there's a lot of scripture. Stick with me. Matthew 21, 21 to 22. And this is a moment where 
they walked past, Jesus and the disciples are walking somewhere and they walked past the fig tree. And Jesus goes to collect figs from the tree and there's nothing there, there's just leaves on the, on the tree. And so he curses the fig tree. He says, may you never bear fruit again. And this can seem kind of random. You're like, was Jesus that hangry in this moment that he just went to this fig tree and, and curses it? And, but there's a much deeper context and meaning in terms of the nation of Israel that we don't have time to go into in this moment. But the next day they're walking back from where they've been. They're walking back past the fig tree. And the fig tree is completely withered from the roots. It's died. And the disciples are like, oh my goodness. Remember yesterday when he said this and he, he said to the tree, this is so random, it's now dead. And so they, they talk to Jesus and say, what on earth is going on here? And Jesus responds, he says, I tell you the truth. If you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. Now again, let's not take this completely literally. He's not saying, right, go up to, you know, this week that you're like, yeah, the preach this week was great. I'm going to go up to an apple tree, die, and come the next day and like, oh, nothing's happened. We understand Jesus isn't just meaning literally in this moment. He's saying when you have faith and you speak out in agreement with what God is saying, remembering that he was God, in that moment when we release our faith in what we speak, there is power. And he says you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, maybe you lift it up and throw it into the sea and it will happen. You can pray for anything and if you have faith, you will receive it. Jesus says if you have faith, and you do not doubt, you will see things change. Now often doubt can dilute our faith. Just like if you have juice and you put water in, the more water you pull in, the weaker it will get and it will dilute and dilute and dilute that juice. That's how it can be with faith and this thing called doubt. But sometimes you're believing for something and you start praying and you have faith in your heart. But do you know what? Over a period of time, things don't change. And what happens, doubt comes into who you are and dilutes the faith that you once had. Other times you're praying and you're in faith, but then you remember how a situation didn't turn out before as you thought it might. And so doubt begins to dilute that faith that you had. Other times you're, you're in faith and you're, you're speaking God's word and you're, and you're believing God who is faithful and true. And people start speaking to your life and they start speaking things of negativity and doubt. And that doubt, as you allow those, those seeds to bear a harvest, that doubt gives birth to fear. And, and that doubt dilutes your faith again. Now, doubt doesn't make you a bad person. It makes you normal. Right? Because you're just, um, some of you may be sat there thinking, wow, does he never doubt? No, doubt just makes you normal. But it's about what happens when that doubt tries to come into your life. When that doubt comes and it starts to bombard your life, that's when we have a choice. Are we going to let that doubt grow and dilute our faith? Or are we going to come back to God's word and feed our faith, re-establishing our confidence in God's character and God's word? James 1, verse 5 to 8. Again, it starts off with this thought about wisdom. But then we come to this principle. It says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Listen to this. It says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. This is the Bible speaking about situations. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. James says, don't be tossed and blown by the winds of doubt. Thank God that he's done it. Now again, this isn't about denying reality. 
Because sometimes when you preach a message like this, it, it, they think, people think that it's like, stick your fingers in your ears, la, 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 no, this isn't happening. That's not what faith is. Faith sees the facts, but knows that God is greater than the facts. Amen? Faith does not deny reality, but it walks in alignment with what God has promised, even though the reality is true in that moment. Classic example, Abraham in Romans chapter 4, verse 17 to 21. Paul writes about Abraham. He says, this is what the scriptures say or mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. God speaking to Abraham. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Listen to this. Even when there was no reason to hope, Abraham kept hoping. Believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. Even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured that his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises i love those verses abraham was a man of faith but it doesn't mean that he denied the reality of what was going on he didn't walk around saying oh i'm not 100 i'm 21 i'm 21 i'm 21 if i say it enough times then it will happen he wasn't what he would living in the reality of who he was he wasn't denying that sarah's womb was barren he wasn't like yep sarah she's having children every all the time he was living in the reality of what was true Yet he was standing on the promise that God had given to him. Even when there was no hope, he continued to hope in what God has spoken. Is this making sense this morning? Now that kind of faith will revolutionize your prayer life. And we're not going to extremes on this. What I'm not saying is, name it and claim it. No, that's where faith has been abused. What I'm not saying is, if that situation didn't turn out as you were believing for, it's just because of your lack of faith. Again, that's where faith has been abused. But we've got to have an understanding that the Bible clearly teaches that faith is a vital ingredient in prayer. So if we're going to walk with faith in our prayer life, we've got to deal with doubt. But we've also got to recognize that there's another key ingredient in prayer, and we really don't like this one. It's called patience. Right? There's certain ingredients that you don't like to have in your meal. Many of you know by now, I do not want mushrooms in my meal. It's just, I've got issues. Um, Many of you don't want patience in the meal of prayer, but actually without it, it's an incomplete meal. We've got to understand that patience is so key. And this is important because if we forget this, you know what will happen? We'll grow weary in prayer. We'll grow frustrated in prayer. We'll get confused about prayer. We'll grow doubtful in prayer. And sometimes when we're believing God for something and praying for him to move or to act, it's not an instant arrival, but it's a journey. But the problem is we live in a modern day society and this has crept into modern day Christianity where we want what we want and we want it now. In fact, we wanted it yesterday, right? That's why nowadays it's not enough for next day delivery. We want Amazon to deliver it later that afternoon. That's why you can, from the comfort of your own sofa with a, a phone in your hand, get a pint of milk for the very next hour. I mean, you're going to pay like £47 for delivery, but you don't care because you don't have the patience to wait any longer. You want what you want and you want it now. And that's how many people are when it comes to faith and praying. But praying, even with faith, doesn't mean an overnight change. 
Now don't, again, mishear me. God can do things in an instant. God does do things in an instant. God brings instant healing sometimes. God brings instant miracles sometimes. God can do in one moment anything. Anything is possible for him. So don't mishear me today. But what I'm equally saying is sometimes there is a journey rather than an instant change overnight. Many of you know I received a miraculous healing in my body from something that doctors said would be lifelong and would never go away. I received that miracle, but it didn't come overnight. It was a journey. The, the first day that I knew about it, I prayed, and I was thinking, okay, tomorrow morning I'm going to be healed. I wasn't healed that morning. In fact, I was healed when Jesus died on the cross, amen? But the healing hadn't manifested itself in my body the next day. And it took a journey. It took a while. I went out for prayer when we were having times where somebody would minister, and you'd go forward, and I'd go forward, and I'd be prayed for, and I'd wake up the next day, and that healing hadn't yet manifested itself in my body. And this went on and on and on and on. But one day, to the glory of God, I was healed. But there was a journey. When you believe in God for provision, sometimes it won't be the next day that provision lands on your doormat. Sometimes there's, there's, a, there's a journey. When you're believing for change in a situation, sometimes there's a journey to it. And we've got to learn that patience is a key ingredient when it comes to prayer. Because if we don't understand that walking by faith correctly also means patience, here's the incorrect conclusion that we'll come to. God's failed me. God doesn't love me as much as he loves that person who got their breakthrough. They've got more faith than I have because they got their miracle and I haven't yet received my miracle. Oh, I must be doing something wrong because that person... And, and, and we end up in this, this place that's an imprisonment in our minds. Yet listen to what the Bible has to say. Hebrews 6 verse 12. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised we enjoy the faith part sometimes we can all shout about faith but the patience part is equally just as important Ephesians 6 teaches us as we looked at earlier in the year that having done all sometimes all you're left with is to stand and believe and to keep enduring in what God has said again when it comes to prayer Jesus taught that prayers aren't always going to be answered overnight Luke 18 verse 1 one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Other translations say never lose heart, which in the original language means, means this, to be wearied out, to be exhausted. So we need to talk about this stuff because some of you have been praying and you've been praying and you've been praying. And you've been praying for your husband and your wife and you still see no change. You've been praying for that relationship to be restored and you still see no change. You've been praying for your child. You've been praying for your healing. You've been praying, you've been praying, you've been praying and yet you are weary and you are exhausted. And Jesus says, don't lose heart. Don't grow weary. Never give up. So, so okay then Steve, what do I pray? Because I, I kind of prayed this prayer. I've been praying that a long time. What do I actually pray in this moment because Jesus clearly said in what you said earlier in the series Steve you said that Jesus said not to repeat vain repetitions because that's what the pagans do and we don't just pray the same thing over and over again and yet at the same time you're now telling us that Jesus says we're to be persistent in prayer and to keep praying so which one is it and I believe that's where we go from a place of request to thanksgiving as I said earlier, that we've got to be mature believers where we thank God in advance for what he's going to do. 
for what we are about to receive may we be truly grateful. But we stand in that place of believing in advance. And so we go from requesting to thanksgiving. God, you have heard my prayer. I have cried. I have prayed. I have spoken scripture. I have done it all. And I thank you that it is going to come to pass. I stand upon your promise. I will not be moved by circumstance because I know that your word is truth. Just give me a show of hands very quickly if you are believing for something that hasn't yet come to pass. Pretty much every single person in the room. This is relevant for each and every single one of us. Let's wrap this up, Steve, if you can come up. We're going to pray in a moment. Some of you today, you are coming to the realization that you've been using prayer as a magic wand. And that's okay. There's no condemnation. There's no, because again, often that's out of a place of ignorance because we haven't been taught properly on what prayer is all about. I want to bring you back to reality. Prayer is relational communication with a God who is faithful and true. It begins with relationship. Some of you, you maybe have come from a hyper-faith background, and so you look at this and your faith has been in faith itself, not in God. Your faith has been in formula. Your faith has been in technique. Your faith has been in, if you pray these words in the right order seven times, then you will get your breakthrough. Your faith has not been in God, it's been in this thing called faith itself. And our confidence needs to be in our Heavenly Father. We need to carry a confidence about who He is and what He said. Some of you are struggling with doubt this morning. You've come into this place, you've sung the songs. You want to believe it, but you're struggling with doubt. You want to believe God and yet you are struggling. I want to encourage you, when doubt comes, it's perfectly normal. You're not weird. You're not a bad Christian. It is perfectly normal thing. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to journey through this week, even this week. And when those doubts come, to take those thoughts captive and to renew your mind with the truth of God's word because he is not a man that he should lie. And finally, for others of you, you're weary. Some of you are tired. You love God. You love the house of God. But some of you are tired. You're weary. You're burnt out. You're frustrated. Some of you have not been praying for two minutes or two months. Some of you have been praying for 20 plus years for your breakthrough, for your miracle, for that person's salvation. And let me say to you today, God is not experimenting with you. God is not being cruel to you. And God has not forgotten you. I want you to hear that this morning. God has not forgotten you. God hears every prayer. And there's other things that we can look at and we'll look at later on in the series. God hears every prayer. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Why? For he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. So I want to pray for people this morning. I'm going to invite you just to close your eyes in this place. And first and foremost, I want to pray for release of doubt. Some of you, there's a heaviness upon your shoulders spiritually. And you may be smiling on the outside. And you are. You're in a, you're in a place where you have joy and you have all these things. But there's also a weariness spiritually upon your shoulders because of what you've been believing for and you haven't yet seen. 
And I just want to pray for you that faith would rise within you. Not in a formula, but in a God who is true, who is loving, who is good, who is not experimenting with you and who has not forgotten you. He hears every prayer. Heavenly Father, I just pray for those in this place today who who are weary, who are tired out, who are frustrated. God, I thank you that you hear every prayer. And God, I just pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would just bring revelation this morning of who you are, that you are our Father, that you love us, that you so dearly love us, that nothing can separate us from your love, which is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, I thank you that the Word even says that you bottle up every tear that we've prayed every tear that we've shed Lord as people have have, have cried tears over their children as people have cried tears over their spouse as people have cried tears over their family member as people have cried tears over different situations Lord your word says you bottle up every tear you know every single situation you know every prayer that has been prayed in the secret place and Father I just thank you Lord that by your Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit would just bring comfort in this moment would just bring grace in this moment for people to know that you have not forgotten them. And Lord, Father, in advance, we thank you for what you're going to do. We thank you that you are faithful. We thank you that you are true. But in the meantime, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would comfort and strengthen. Two things that Jesus said of you, Holy Spirit, but he said, I'm going to be with my Father, but I'm going to pray and the Father is going to release another helper. He's called the Holy Spirit and He comforts and He strengthens and He guides and He reminds you of things that I have spoken. Holy Spirit, would you comfort people in this place this morning? Would you strengthen people in this place? Would you lift up their heads? Would you raise up their hands? Those who are weary, those who are tired, those who have grown frustrated. Holy Spirit, would your grace comfort and strengthen those people? we pray and Lord we begin to speak the language of faith we begin to speak the language of thanksgiving and praise for what you're about to do Heavenly Father, as we look back and we see your faithfulness, we give you praise and we give you thanks. But Lord, as we look ahead, there are storms and there are troubles and there are difficulties. Jesus said, in this world we will face trials and tribulations and troubles, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. So as we look ahead, there may be trouble and there may be difficulty, Heavenly Father, but I thank you that by your grace, you are going to bring miracles in people's lives. Even this week, we release a sound of faith over different situations. If you are needing a miracle in your life, just raise your hand in this moment, not for me, but for God, as you respond over your child, over your sickness, over whatever it might be. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you see these people, you see their hearts, And Lord, as they speak to you in faith and they say, Heavenly Father, would you just bring a miracle in this situation? Lord, I thank you that you are not a man that you would lie. You are not a human that you would change your mind. You are faithful and true to your word. And we come with expectancy, Lord. Jesus, you said we should always pray and never give up. And we come with expectation, Lord. Lord, I pray that people... Would, would spiritually become like meerkats, looking up, waiting to see what's coming. Expectancy in our hearts of what you're going to do. Lord, I thank you that people would, would be expectant for that healing. Is it today, Lord? Is it today, Lord? Expectancy in our hearts. Expectancy for relationships to be restored. Is it today, Lord? Is it today, Lord? 
because you are faithful and you are true. You keep your eyes closed in this place. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you say, I don't even know what that means. This is a moment we want to provide for you where you just begin a relationship and it's just an introduction. Listen, this isn't about understanding everything overnight, but if you have never given your life to Jesus and you're hearing us speak of this Jesus, you've heard us sing about this Jesus, He changes lives. I promise you, He changes lives. He takes those, the Bible says, who are dead in their sins and He makes them alive in Him. He gives us purpose. He gives us hope. He gives us a future. And we can know that in Him we have eternity with Him, that we are saved from our sin. The Bible speaks of sin as being something that keeps us from the presence of God. He, he rescues us from the nature of sin. And so we're just going to give you an opportunity to say, I want to begin a relationship with this Jesus this morning. So if that's you in this place, I want you to do something really simple. I'm not going to bring you forward or embarrass you, put a spotlight on you. I just want to provide a moment. And if there's anybody here who that's true for, but we're going to pray a prayer together just as you say, yes, that's me. So if that's you, just do something very simple for me. Would you just raise your hand and you can just pop it back down once I've seen it. If there's anybody who's saying, yeah, that's me for the very first time, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus this morning. If we're all already walking with him, then that's fine and that's great and we give God praise for that. But we also always want to provide an opportunity when I'm not sure whether everyone is. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for time well spent in your presence this morning. Father, I thank you for the community of faith and what you are doing within us. And Lord, everything that we've spoken of today, Holy Spirit, would you seal it in our hearts? Would you lead this into conversations with friends and connect groups this week that we would um, begin to unpack this further and hear what you are saying? And Lord, we just thank you for miracles that are coming in Jesus' name. We thank you for miracles that are coming. Not for our glory. Not that people would know the name of Family Church, but people would know the name of Jesus Christ. For your glory we pray. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Come on, let's give him praise this morning.